today is DJ Keep Roomy. We're going to be talking about a couple of female singer-songwriters of high repute among their fans. And we're going to start out with the album by Casey Johansson called Grand Ghosts from 2013, available on Bandcamp, where it's actually received some fair bit of acclaim. And other than that, we can say that it's 10 tracks, 42 minutes. I'd say it's about indie pop or uh, chamber pop, something like that. It's not available on All Music Guide. And uh, I guess I'll turn it over for a minute to my guest co-host of the day. DJ Keep Rooming, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on again. We're on opposite opposite times, so you're just waking up, and I'm about to go to sleep. But uh, the queen shall meet, and uh, I'd like to know what you think. What do you think of the if the first album here? Yeah, I thought I thought it was a little bit uneven. So I mean, there's uh, a lot of albums I'd I'd put in this category where you know, following our review, I doubt I'll listen to the whole thing in order ever again. But but I kind of you know rated it for for you know the like the four or five best songs, and then I think I've narrowed that down to. Um, to two out of the the ten that I that I quite like that I'll um, I'll listen to. Which ones are the keepers? Definitely. Um, yeah. So I thought the the opening track, um, the river was was quite strong. I thought that developed in in somewhat unexpected ways. You know, there, there's almost three different parts that so it it, it wasn't. A super predictable pop song you know it, it kind of sure. turned into more of a rock song than i expected okay. and then probably my favorite um track in the album was um only the heart uh one of the thing which is number eight uh one of the things maybe my favorite thing about the album is the guitar playing that is she handling most of the guitars with finger picking and the fills and the and the riffs and and so on i Um, I assume so here's what here's what i can tell you about her the rest of her discography her her debut album was mainly a piano affair so i thought it was a quite a smooth transition in from a piano where there's really only one piano song on this album i thought which is my favorite actually the title track grand ghosts which i'll talk about in a minute but i think she yeah the the, the two albums this her previous one and this one are are, are quite different in terms of this is definitely more of a guitar-based album i, I thought yeah so. yeah so that's i i haven't uh jumped into her other stuff so yeah that surprises me because I, I almost found the guitar playing the strongest point i liked how in in only the heart you know it starts off as a kind of um finger-picked folk song, which is a, a little bit of a lost art. I, I mean, huh. I'm thinking of the other, Aldous Harding is a, a similar artist to her who has some kind of heavier songs, but then still will we'll do finger-picked guitar. But then, you know, it kind of opened up into a rock song kind of similar to uh, to The River. So those were both quite nice. So, so what is uh, enlightening? What is what is chamber pop? You referred to her as chamber pop. I was going to ask your feelings on chamber pop, but if I'm also to define it, then uh, then we're then we're starting yeah. from different points. I wanted to say just before we talk about that too about only the heart that 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 song didn't register to me as a favorite at all, and I I'm glad you're able to appreciate different parts of the album than I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that in terms of finger picking and, and Aldous Harding I'll have to look into I guess remember her from your list but back to back to chamber pop I think there's an idea of, of serious music and, and tell me if you disagree where classical music and, and chamber quartets or those kinds of things are, are you know the smaller non-orchestral version of classical music right and so that they get uh, serious critical attention 
Would you would you disagree with that? I'm following you. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. And so I think when you have the instruments that are maybe are, that are associated with that, like strings and maybe I don't know brass if need be, or just basically a, a, a small section of an orchestra that would be more associated with classical music than pop or rock music, and then you use those instruments to to make uh, to make pop songs. That's uh, the, the quickest way I describe how I understand chamber pop. Okay, um, so like uh, Rufus Wainwright, Suf John Stevens, those, you know, the, they, they work with pop groups that take the leap from instrumentation to orchestration. Sure. Yeah. 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 I like I like, uh, I like that uh, that sums it up nicely too. I'm not as familiar with Rufus Wainwright, but obviously Suf John Stevens is is pretty pretty well known. So I think yeah, he would be a, a more uh, newer newer example. So yeah, I think that these uh, these these songs maybe aren't necessarily, you know, as serious as any of that, but I think I just like the different combination rather than guitar, bass and drums and, and a vocalist. I think it spices it up quite nicely. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And so I think uh, my favorite song is is I mentioned the the title track and I I'm that the only piano song on the on the album and I, I agree with you that the first song the river is uh, is quite nice. And they all really uh, thematically touch on I think water a lot. I think I might I might just be a sucker for that in terms of I don't really listen to lyrics as carefully as, as a lot of people, but uh, there's definitely a flowing theme and uh, it's interesting that you said uh, the 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 album is uneven because uh, the only the only review that I've come across of it actually says that it was too soothing and tiresome over the length of a full album, as in there was not enough variety. And I wonder if, if you, you, you felt like the album itself was not very strong, but there were just a few highlights. It, it wasn't so much that it wasn't cohesive as an, as an album. It, it, it sounded like an album, but, but that some of the tracks almost weren't quite strong enough to warrant inclusion with the stronger ones. So it, it, it wasn't that it was uneven in terms of style, just that, you know, I kind of almost wish it was a EP and she, she'd picked a half or, or a third of the songs. I could hear that. I could hear yeah, that. Yeah, I may I well agree with that review oh. yeah okay Go you ahead. brought up the uh, prominence of water because i think one of the things we we're interested in with both of the albums where i made my pick and then you kind of made your corollary pick was that they both are invested in location so you you see this yeah. as a and i noticed lake michigan referenced once and yes some discussion of water so say say more about that well they they uh yeah, obviously the first track called River, and then the the second track Pinecone. Uh, tr- they sing about uh, returning toward you need to go towards the shore, and then on the last track Out to Sea. Obviously, you know, kind of a, a send off, I suppose, to to conclude the album. So I thought it was all really thematically tied together nicely, and in ter- in terms of the sound too, I think if if you're calling something too soothing, I guess I take issue with that. In that uh, if that's what you're if that's if you want to make a soothing album, I don't I don't think you can get too soothing. Yeah, in terms of geographic, uh, that's something that'll tie our my my pick to yours. Uh, in terms of uh, my grandmother lives on Lake Michigan, so when she sings about her grandmother, it's uh, it's kind of a personal resonance thing that I, I guess in previous episodes of, of the podcast, other people have brought up some stuff some stuff that have been talking about transgender artists or talking about uh, a band that they were personally involved with and I, I said yeah okay well how do you how do you sell it to someone who's not as familiar with those things or for whom that uh, that doesn't resonate at all and I guess we can talk about that in terms of Shilpa Ray in terms of her connection to New York New York City also and whether these are these are personally personally resonant themes or if they're if they're actually universal I don't know what do you think I mean I actually always tend to like it when um, singer songwriters 
draw on very specific things because uh, that actually goes somewhat, you know, counter to the grain of uh, the, you know, ad- advice for the generic pop song is sort of keep the generic advice is keep the themes as totally universal as possible, you know, and then everyone will find it relatable. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I kind of appreciate it when, you know, I'll go ahead and, you know, include the cross street that I live on, even though, you know, a 10th of the people or less will, will get that. So in, in a way, I mean, even if the references um, that are specific are not aware to a given listener, I think it gives it a kind of authenticity where you realize, you know, hey, this, you know, this was made with one person about their own life and they're not, you know, they're not kind of trying to write a Katy Perry pop song that sure. you know, 10 out of 10 teenagers will, will click with. <laughs> you know? Sure, I get that. I get that. Even even when such a big city is being referenced as New York and you're talking about such something so less, so unappealing as 168th Street or a numbered street, I guess that can have meaning for some people. I think the way to look down upon that while, uh, you know, not completely d- dismissing it is to call it too broadly appealing and, you know, just making, trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator of boy meets girl love songs and that kind of thing. I think that uh, this, uh, that uh, Ms. Ms. Johansing uh, herself is, is similar to Shilpa Ray's album, Door Girl, that we'll talk about on the second half of the show. She's apparently moved moved a lot in her life from, from Colorado to Boston to, to San Francisco and, and likes to sing about it a lot. So I think that broadens the appeal without also, you know, dumbing it down and making it too generic or general. I, I can, I, if you're singing about a variety of different places, as long as you're evocative and genuine, then then by all means, go ahead and do it. Yeah, one of the other things I appreciated about Grand Ghosts was the, <clears throat> the variety of instruments. Like she's still using, I think it was on into view they have the kind of country instrument the pedal steel guitar mm-hmm. it's always a solid choice and then um in the, yes. in the second track pinecone they use a, a vibraphone which is such a great and just generally underrated underused uh, <laughs> instrument it's yeah. not just dub and reggae anymore no 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 play, the vibraphone is played by uh all all two-year-olds and virtually no adults so there you go <laughs> Bring it, yeah. <laughs> Good deal. So I think that uh, you're 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 generally agreeing with the critics, and I want to ask you a few questions about what you think is a particularly strong song. Are you talking about uh, unusual structure that that piques your interest, or uh, lyrics, or the combination of accompaniment, or what? What's a strong song for you in general? Curious. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily looking for one of those things as much as just a a song that holds your attention and kind of re- mm. repays repays re-listening for for some reason so i mean in this i think the 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 songs i wasn't crazy about they weren't bad songs per se but i felt like there 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 maybe weren't things that were just either done so well or were kind of surprising about them that would necessarily uh repay a a re-listen so yeah both you know river and only the heart the way that those songs developed i found interesting yeah mm-hmm. and, and Enemy, I also sort of liked. I found the lyrics kind of a, a weak point where they were sort of cryptic to the extent I didn't have any idea what the song was about. Um, but I appreciated that she lowered her voice more than in the rest of the album in in Enemy. And that was all, I, I thought those were some of the most compelling vocal passages in the kind of second half of, of Enemy. I almost wish she used the kind of lower half of her range um, a, a, a bit more because I actually found her voice particularly compelling at 
mm-hmm. at, at those at those moments. That's always kind of an interesting thing. If there's a how long is this? A forty odd minute album. If you know the performer does something different, but for only thirty seconds to a minute of the album, and you kind of go, mm-hmm. Ooh, you know, I kind of wish they'd done that half the time. <laughs> you know, rather, rather All right. than All right. for that. I can hear that as opposed to some gentlemen singers who just want to do an entire falsetto album or something. Uh, that that's uh, <laughs> things can be overdone. Yeah. I want to run by I want to run by some some criticisms of uh, although very well liked in Bandcamp All Music Guide which I again refer to as something of a bible. He said he said that the the previous album from 2010 that I mentioned that's more, more piano. The I'm going to quote the quote is he says uh, it doesn't really answer the question of why the world needs another young female classically trained singer/pianist. I wonder if, if overall would you would you agree with that? It's it's kind they're kind of a dime a dozen kind of kind of people nowadays or uh, is that unfair? I think that's some I mean it seems strange to uh target the kind of the background and the genre. I mean because one of the kind of incredible things about pop music is how it's you know it's working with you know much more limited keys and styles than classical music so there's this kind of odd incongruity where we both attended a college undergrad with a conservatory where most of the people who are in the world of classical music are kind of astonished that you know pop music listeners can find so much of it interesting when it's supposedly so limited in terms of you know how you know what uh how many melodies are going at once so on the face of it in pop music there's you know such a limited base but it's it's really astonishing the variety especially you know embracing the kind of character of your voice rather than having like the classical voice that you know aims to be kind of disembodied in a way by being so so hmm. pure so no, I don't. I don't think in you know in in any pop genre there can never be too many. It's just if if style of performance is bland, that's another thing. But I don't I don't think there's necessarily a genre that that can ever be maxed out. You know, that's kind of the great thing about music. I'm, I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. Would you Would you agree that it was undistinguished that her that her uh, her songs are? I guess again, I took that. Uh, I was actually pretty surprised by your pick of Shilpa Ray because I thought she she rocks a little harder than I than I knew you in the past. <laughs> but uh, you were more of kind of a folk a folk listener. Yeah, I mean, you could so. um, mislead the, the Shilpa Ray album. Interestingly, you could pick. You know, if you just cherry picked any two songs from that album, it could be quite different. Where you know she could Absolutely. sound like. Yeah. I don't know if we want to dive into her. I'll tell you when. <laughs> the critics who were, I, I, I'll, I'll give you that there's not as much variety on this on this album, and that some some songs are are more on the rock side than 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 others. But I think that uh, I think a, a, a nice soothing soft chamber pop album is just what the world needs sometimes. It's a, kind of a soothing balm for the ears, sort of a thing to help you relax sometimes. And I don't, I don't want to be totally functionalist about music, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> in terms of in terms of folk music, folk music, which is I, I don't, what would you? I mean, if you hadn't, if I hadn't told you this is chamber pop, how would you have described the the, the genre? Yeah, I would just have described it as either probably indie folk or indie pop, something something like that. Yeah, I mean, although I hear you know like a little bit of the influence of someone like uh, Lucinda Williams. Really? Huh, okay. So kind of, there was there was maybe one or two country country ish songs, I suppose. But uh, kind of straddling between folk and country, on like I can't remember which one it was. I think I think what it comes down to for me is I I really am just you know I really enjoy somebody singing ooh and you know 
harmonizing with you, <laughs> especially a female voice for yeah, some reason. Been, mm, enemy where she was singing on the lower half of her of her range, I think was was it a good example of that as well? Yeah, the ooh 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 parts. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, do other than Lucinda Williams, who else uh, we we do uh, recommend it if you like? So I, I had Amy Mann, and uh, I thought some others, Julia Holter. And uh, some more, more obscure ones. And I, I don't think she rocks quite as hard as Anna, Anna Calvi. I don't know if you're familiar. But, I don't know her. I was reminded a little bit of um, Kate LeBon. Have you heard of her? Who's a, I have not. a, a Welsh singer-songwriter who her arrangements are kind of similar to um, Johan Singh. But I find her just the quality of her voice and her lyrics are a bit a bit more compelling in a way i think the the weak points of the johansing album for me were the in in any standard minute i don't find her voice that that captivating i mean it's it's serviceable but but i almost kind of ethereal not a lot of character there so that kind of ambient quality some people could like some might not and then some of the lyrics kind of felt like placeholder lyrics at time you know bad hmm. days bad nights don't go be true i don't i mean it's it's, it's it sounds sometimes like like lyrics that um you, you know you should have been more careful that uh that, that someone could have almost tossed off when they were kind of really paying attention to getting the vocal melody and the instrumentation right but then maybe take a second pass at the song later and come up with with you know some more compelling lyrics so yeah i would say kate Kate LeBon sounds a lot like, I mean, you could um, swap in some of her tracks here and you would, you would think it was still the Johansing album. But then I think within 10 seconds, you'd kind of go, Ooh, and, and notice that the singer's voice and what she was saying were, were more compelling. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to give her a listen. And I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, a captivating voice is a pretty high standard. And I'm glad you, glad you hold people to it. Yeah. I, I look forward to talking more about lyrics in, in detail because I'm not a lyrics person. Revising lyrics to be uh, more individualistic or you know, particular or deep, I don't know, poetic. Um, just yeah, just a little bit more, a little more to them, substantial, huh? You yeah, all of, the, all of the above. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting where sometimes, like I think Shilpa Ray has lyrics that are <clears throat> referential. Lana Del Rey is kind of, you know, divisive in her lyric writing where, where she'll kind of just, you know, pull some lines from classic 60s songs and just insert them in, in her lines. But I, I find the way that she does it to be pretty interesting. There was there was one song, oh, it was you know, Pinecone, where there's that line, take me down to your dance floor, that sounds almost lifted, probably on purpose, from the classic Emmy Lou Harris, uh, Graham Parsons song that also it, you know is a folk song with added you know drums and pedal, pedal steel guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I don't know if you caught that, caught that reference. No, I, I'm, yeah. I'm totally unfamiliar with Graham Parsons and Emmylou Harris. I, I, I'm totally got my head in the sand of obscurity. So, okay. So I think this will sound a little bit more like a country record. You know, if you, if you listen to a little bit more Graham Parsons and Lucinda Williams, cause there's that strain of, of, of country that, you know, Willie Nelson's in there too, where they're a bit more straddling the line of folk music and, and rock music. That would be, palatable to a lot of people they, right. they, they 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 dial down the nasal in their voice and the twang in the guitar significantly <laughs> so that was the, the it's called a song for you with that same repeated line about the dance floor so yeah you might want to 
Okay. That up. Yeah. Working on working on some levels. I am totally blind to folk music, so that's a definitely definitely large blind spot. So appreciate filling that in. I would sum it up as uh, as fairly conventional and uh, but still very enjoyable. Especially if I know if I want to relax, I would give it a, a seven out of ten. Okay. I think I would go with uh, a five out of ten, being mm. particularly complimentary to the the two strongest tracks river and and only the heart and then saying i I generally found the guitar playing to be really good and and varied and then just the the instrumentation to be interesting but there wasn't quite enough work with the vocals the lyric writing and the and the melody to put it above a five because that's that's ultimately what kind of carries pop music so i would almost rather have you know totally bland instrumentation but then mm. really good lyrics and really interesting uh, vocal vocal melodies. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of uh, it seemed like there was the opposite priority here, which worked, you know, in, in, in some passages. But, yeah, I think I'd stick with a, a five overall. Right. On. And I wonder then if uh, if it needed more production to to get up to the, the higher, the upper echelons of uh, of singer songwriters, then if, uh, if more production or more revision or some team writing of the lyrics, I don't know if a uh, record label support would have helped or it's, it's clearly, you know, something that she's probably doing on a fairly small budget without a you know big name producer or anything would that have helped or uh... no i thought actually in my notes here the my very first note is production is good (laughs) vocals out front and audible you know instruments vary so no i actually i thought that the playing of instruments and the recording was actually quite quite nice I, i wouldn't have wanted it to be produced more Sleekly. It was a little bit of a wet recording, as they sometimes say. So they're adding the mm-hmm. reverb to make all of the instruments kind of be a cohesive whole rather than standing apart. You know, whereas Neil Young, for example, has his recordings pretty pretty dry, so you can hear all of the in all of the different pieces pretty distinctly. So mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought it worked. To, the production was was definitely good enough. But I wonder uh, this could open up another um, line of conversation. I just think the both the melodies and the and the lyrics could have could have been more developed i mean i wonder if you know you did a contest and and give this to you know just the backing tracks to four or five other professional uh, musicians if some of them could have come up with actually better songs with those with those backing tracks because that's hmm. uh, totally open format karaoke you know <laughs> and, <laughs> and see what they <laughs> So yeah, I was curious, why did you pick this album? She It sounds like she has three total full-length albums. Is that right? Yeah, she actually has another one coming out in November of 2020, and uh, that is called No Better Time. So No Better Time for a new album. And she also covers, uh, she has an EP of cover songs of soul music, actually. She cites a lot of uh, black musicians in her, uh, in, uh, as, as influencing her. Okay. Uh, yeah. so. I, I listened to that EP and I thought that her voice yeah, is, is not quite distinctive enough, I guess, for it. I mean, it was just strange to hear a very, 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 very white girl singing these songs. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I liked this album enough. I'll definitely give that new one a, a, a listen. So, sure, sure. I think that this uh, both both. Uh, why did I pick this album? I, I didn't want to offend you, first of all, because I, I know that uh, in the past we've had some differences of opinion, <laughs> dating back some some years. Uh, and I think I mean, generally I, I I would play something that would conjure memories of your hard rock high school days that you are not too fond of. So, <laughs> okay. uh, so I'm trying to ease ease into this basically. Okay. Yeah. 
No, I think that uh, I think that if we're transitioning now to to your pick of, of Shilpa Ray, I think some some similarities between the two. I would say that these are both very atypical singer uh, women singer singer songwriters, and that they they actually utilize on this album, and not so much on her other albums of, of Casey Johansing's albums, which I, I actually didn't actually like as much as this one. So another reason for for picking this one, but they they both uh, utilize a lot of male backup singers and uh, where male female duets where the the, the lady is clearly in the lead, which I think is uh, maybe somewhat atypical. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat. Um, uh, Beach house is another group where there's the male backup singer, though a little bit more okay. kind of ambiance. Like if you're not listening for him, you could miss it. Lucinda Williams uses male backup singers as, as well. You'll have to remind me of where that appears in uh, Johansing, but yeah, in, um, Shilpa Ray, they're really out front um, in a way that, you know, you're not going to miss that. No, no, they're definitely in response almost. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're ready to talk about Door Girl, yes? Uh, Sure. Yeah. So let me give me give uh, give the basics and then I'll let you uh, start out with your uh, with your thoughts on it. The album Door Girl came out in 2017. It's got 12 tracks and it's 48 minutes long on the record label Northern Spy, which I hadn't heard before. It is on All Music Guide and has 15 reviews, which puts it in the very, very obscure, not very well-known category. And I don't know if uh, before in, before we get it too deeply into the music, uh, why do you think why do you think she is not uh, particularly well-known? And I would say falls into a category of having a very, very strong local following, and perhaps not uh, not not very much outside of that. Who people worship her, who really like her. And I think that's also the case for Casey Johansson, that uh, mm-hmm. if you like if you like her, you really love her. And then, but there's just really, I think, three thousand views for her songs on YouTube, which is very, very low. And what what would you what would you attribute the, her uh, lack of fame to? I guess yeah, for so Shilpa Ray, uh, you know, perhaps kind of has a style where it'd be it'd be curious to hear, you know, if we talk about. <laughs> Who does she sound like to, to us? That that's pretty distinct. It's hard to kind of easily put her in a group of three to four other female singer-songwriters. So it's like a, a counterexample. Um, there's a really interesting cohort of female singer-songwriters coming out of Australia and New Zealand now. So Aldous Harding, Julia Jacqueline, Courtney Barnett, as much as I don't think they particularly work together, that's a kind of coherent group that could be recommended or discussed together. It's kind of hard to know who to group with with Shilpa Ray, um, there really aren't that many pop performers with uh, um, Indian background in in U.S. I think um, she's she's lived her her full life in the U.S. So there's that interesting identity category. Maybe M.I.A. though she's uh, British. The hip hop artist is maybe the most prominent performer with the, that that background. And it's interesting she even makes that a part of her lyrics. So there's a line I think it's from a different album. Where, you know, she'll refer to her third world body or even has a whole really unusual song just kind of riffing on the an image of a burning bride, you know, obviously drawing mm-hmm. on that an old, terrible uh, tradition in, in India. So, I mean, it's interesting that of if the husband dies, then the, you know, the wife has sacrificed. So, you know, sure, something sure, sure. that went on much more hundreds of years ago, thankfully. But um, right. so it's interesting, uh, you know, that could explain why she's still more of a niche singer, but she does tour a fair amount. I was um, lucky enough to see her in Columbus, Ohio, two or three years ago when concerts were still happening. And um, amazing performance. Uh, There were probably 
100 to 200 people there, you know. Um, so right. I, I really respected that she, you know, she and her band really, you know, held it down for that few people. Her the instrument, and this, this is partly why I think she's an interesting pick to talk about with you. I thought you might have uh, appreciated how she plays the pump organ. I don't sure know. Thing. If you, uh, not, not as much on door girl, girl though. I mean, I no, think not she, really, she yeah. plays the, um, just the digital keyboard more on, on door girl, but that's also, it's a Indian harmonium that she plays rather than, than, a uh, you know, a more Amer- American style accordion. Um, so that's really, so interesting. I can say that's a lot of, a lot of bodily motion to be able to, to, yeah. to be able to sing and do that yeah. at the same time. So yeah. it takes some coordination. Um, but- but yeah, I mean, she's pretty linked in, in in New York where, you know, I don't know if you noticed a lot of her music videos are produced by Amos Lee, who's a, a local uh, filmmaker there who's been associated with kind of underground punk music scene for for a long, long time. Like he made Blank Generation, the, the film about uh, with Richard Hell and the Ramones. So, you know, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing where she's really to a certain extent, she's still kind of a regional artists may i ask uh, did you did you uh was this concert also a nick cave concert or was that how you found out about her or not? yeah no so she, this was i don't know if you always remember where you discovered artists i don't quite clearly remember where i heard of shilpa ray it, but it was probably by you know just reading some material about about nick cave if i if i had to guess so yeah shilpa ray did open for nick cave a few times but no this was she was the headline artist at the show i saw okay but yeah, just at a little uh, nightclub slash bar that probably can't even hold more than um, it's probably at max capacity at three or four hundred people. And so, you know, it was, it was a lighter crowd. I think it was a, a midday performance. But yeah, I've seen Ted Leo play there as well. So it's, you know, it's a it's a venue that, that is mostly for acts who are barely, uh, barely making it. Um, Diane Coffey played there as well, but I missed that show. Uh-huh. If you if you're able to tour nationally, I think you're not entirely hopelessly obscure. Certainly, but I think I, I, it surprises me because I guess just in terms of your other 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 things that were on your list of favorites, this this really stands out as something that it would be yeah, as you say, a niche and very. Uh, if you if you mention it to someone, no one would ever heard of them unless they're from New York or a Nick Cave fan. You know, that was really, that was really the, the, the aha moment. Like, oh, I see how you found out about her. Okay, I see. Would you like to introduce the album? Um, yeah, sure. So Door Girl is <clears throat> Jill Ray's most recent album. It came out in, in 2017. And it's, you know, very specifically autobiographical in a way that, that is pretty interesting. So it's a, it's a concept album, totally. Yeah. So Shilpa Ray, apparently her, I would say normally with someone who's a semi-successful artist, you refer to it as their, what's their day job. But in this case, <laughs> her, her night job was working as a door girl at, at a New York area nightclub. So Pianos, um, I believe. Lower East Side pianos. I've, I've wanted to see many a show there and decided I couldn't afford it. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a sort of you can imagine an analogy to a film. So the kind of the arc of what the album is about is pretty narrow, you know, being at work, getting to and from work, waking up in the morning. So I was kind of you know Im- impressed that how interesting lyrically it was really musically diverse, given that it's kind of getting 
as narrow as you could possibly get. What do you mean? Just uh, as as narrow in terms of what the songs are are going to be about is just everyday life and and working sure, yeah. at, the, at the nightclub. To give a you know a, a counter example, you and I both know to some to some extent half of, of Beach House because we you know we were with Alex Scali as a in the undergrad days. And then, you know, right when Alex and Victoria were starting to do a bit better, you know, I got together with, you know, another friend who actually knows Alex a little bit better than than me in Iowa City. And, uh, you know, at that point, Alex was still his day job was to be a a carpenter. So he was doing a lot of carpentry work to kind of sustain getting beach house. Like imagine a beach house record that's that. okay, you know, all of the subject of this is going to be my work as a a carpenter, you know, Um, you know, and then all of the songs are built around that. So, I mean, but, you know, and I I like beach houses a lot, but they're that their songs are a little bit more lyrically. They're about kind of more fuzzy existential themes you know they're not about kind of day-to-day survival so yeah i was totally entranced when i listened to beach house so i don't i don't pay any attention to lyrics go ahead (laughs) yeah so i liked the the kind of modesty of of scale and i think i think you're you might be underselling underselling the mundaneness of of you know being a a door girl at a new york city club which is you know pretty cool as far as day day jobs go or night jobs (laughs) as they are so a lot of a lot of th- a lot of interesting things happen and interesting people come and go and i guess one other thing we should say before we jump into favorite tracks is that the style is is so various that you could pick you know two to three songs and play them for your grandparents and they would kind of go you know isn't that nice <laughs> you know those, it, 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 where they're sort of like light uh kind of lounge club songs yeah yeah and i even then, hear some i even hear some show tunes so yeah yeah, and then others that are just absolute ragers or burn burners or however you want to. Yeah, you know. yeah. I, I, I described it as I described it as a uh, you know picking a th- peeling off the scab and pouring salt in the wound again. And then maybe that would um, you know if if she's working as the you know door girl night after night at this certain club you know maybe she's partly drawing on you know just the eclecticism of the different types of music you hear at different different days different different times as well so maybe that that could have been an influence sort of like forced forced exposure to different genres of music on on the job and then kind of if she wants the tracks to speak to the place then you know use the music that's that's actually the styles of music they're actually playing at at that place so maybe the thing that impresses me most about the album is the way that it it really feels like a cohesive album but is is so eclectic in terms of musical genre so how would you how would you uh how would you describe as as a whole and what 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 list of genres would you would you think it touches on I, I didn't do tons of, you know, tons of research to to liken them, to, but you know, I just call it, you know, indie or experimental pop music that has interesting because the, the reviews, the reviews are the re- reviews are, are pretty uniformly in that it is punk rock, and I I thought what? That punk, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's an attitude to it. She's definitely got attitude, but I think in terms of you know the 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 muscularity of the songs that it's more it's almost garage rock and blues. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Uh, Right. Like I think her, her vocal style actually reminds me of, um, you know, like almost some 50s and 60s blues singers. Absolutely. 
let's hear a little bit more from you. What were what were some of your favorite favorite songs here? All right, so I I, I really identified with uh, add add value add time, uh, having lived in uh, having lived in in the city two years of life and feeling feeling how you know sometimes you really are working yourself to death and getting nowhere and uh, and just just get on the subway sometimes is a I guess a, a burden a financial burden sometimes and. Uh, so that that really and to to, to the, the exhaustion in her voice, I guess I, I her voice overall again seems as you I mentioned is a I don't know if there's any Indian American accent in it or if it's more New Jersey coming out of it. It's got a, it's not a, not a twang obviously, but it's it's definitely got a tone to it that just feels uh, it feels lived in. <laughs> yeah, I really like that song. I, um, other 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 favorites were were uh, the rap song that was just uh, very minimalist and uh, actually had a had a guest MC on it. The third one, "You're No One," <laughs> the rather long song there, because it was. I think there's just a a world weariness to it that also resonates with me from remembering how how stressful life can be when you're when you're hustling all day. Yeah. So the I think you were, you kind of had this in mind, um, but maybe add value, add time. If I had to pick, is maybe my favorite track on the album because I find that the the lyrics for that song are it's such a simple idea, but so clever. Where add value, add time is you know probably half of people might be gathering this already, but you know that's your your choice when you want to add more money to your subway ticket at the at the console, right? Um, but then obviously. You know, value and time are also loaded words that, you know, have all kinds of connotations as as well. So I don't know the way that she kind of plays with that double signification as just a kind of objective detail, you know, about the subway console that you're interacting with on a weekly, if not daily basis. But then clearly, I think it was those those bigger connotations that she was obviously playing with as well. You'd be hard pressed to find a more clever lyrical move anywhere than that like double signification of add value add time i just find that such a smart lyric and then thankfully it's a great it's a great song as well yeah yeah musically where um, one of your favorites revelations of a stamp monkey you know the lyrics there are really interesting but that's just far too much cowbell for me i i cannot <laughs> li- listen to that Not your style yeah i get it I, yeah <laughs> Um, and I actually love EMT police and the fire department, which really? you know, for being such a barn burner is a, <laughs> is a really um, listenable song. It's kind of astonishing there how I think that that literally is just uh, the hot summer night where lots of things went wrong at the club. And then to the extent that people had called the EMT, the police, and the fire department. And I, I mean, it's just such a spare, there's no story. It's just kind of that that moment. And uh, I think what she- did you, What did you think, What? sorry, I, what did you think of the video for that song? It's, it's, uh, tell, me, tell me about the video. I don't think I've seen it recently, so. It's um, very, I, I would say, I would say it's a very minimalist video for, as you say, a very, uh, you know, uproarious song. Yeah, uh, she's she's just kind of uh, like a kind of like an experimental black and white film, just standing in front of the camera with the kind of flashes in black and white a little bit. Okay, Obviously. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm remembering that more intensity with more intensity as the song goes on, but uh, pretty low budget. So I mean, so that's one of the songs where you can see how some are are identifying her as a as a punk singer. Okay. Okay. So I subjected my daughter to all kinds of uh, crazy music when she was young. So one day I was driving her around when she was. Uh, two years old and then i had some uh 
uh, a tool album playing. And then when we got out of the car, she goes, uh, she goes, Oh dad, you know, that, that guy was yelling, but he wasn't mad yelling, you know, which I thought was kind of, <laughs> so to have, uh, you know, a, a vocal performance that's like really, really, I don't know, on the, on the cusp of, uh, intensity and legibility. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And yet you still feel that the performer is so in control of their voice. EMT police in the fire department is almost just a, a novelty song. It's so spare. She kind of challenges herself to, uh, you know, just uh, imitate the police siren, you know, with. Yeah. with, yeah, with yeah. So I'm kind of uh, there's there's so little there in some sense. And then yet it's also so listenable. And um, and I, I find that interesting and just maybe a testament to the kind of character of her voice that, mm-hmm. that she can make that much out of such a spare song idea. <clears throat> I thought it was a real a real change of pace uh, in the album. And certainly, uh, you know, the album, the album, the heart of the punk of the album is is that. And I think that I would unfortunately categorize it as one that I maybe don't need to hear a million zillion times. <laughs> on the side, particularly in the mood as as at, where it works in the album it actually serves an amazing function of saying okay now we're we've established that we can play now we're going to emote and now we're going to you know just rage and uh i think every, more albums should do that i'm not sure they should all do it in the right in the middle or maybe you know <laughs> i i but i th- i i hear what you're saying that it is it does a lot with a little uh, yeah. What 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 else um, were there other um, were there things you didn't you didn't like about it? Here here's what uh, I, I don't know if you've read much of the the criticism of the the I haven't found anything but uniformly positive things about that album and they other other sources such as Paste, which is the most prominent. I mean Rolling Stone and Spin and All Music don't haven't touched it. Paste gave it eight point three out of ten, and others have given it four point five out of five. So uniformly positive reviews, but another one for the for last year, Savage said that the songs are conceptually top heavy, and that they are a bit too impressed with their own cleverness. What uh, what would you respond to and, and to that? No, I, I I would disagree with that. I think you know if you're a lyricist, why not max out the cleverness? So I mean, <laughs> another. Okay. I mean, the, like the magnetic fields are one of my favorite groups, you know, and right. then they, they can mm-hmm. be awfully, awfully cute with their lyrics. Sometimes it doesn't work, but I, but you know, I, I appreciate the, uh, that they go for it. And I, I, I don't know. I'd say the same thing with her. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it too. I think that though, I wonder if she is not deliberately courting obscurity with the, her newest song. Uh, her newest song is uh, heteronormative blues and uh, you know, put it, put to put a name, put a song title, like heteronormative, put a word like that in any song, let alone the title. It's like you're, you, you, don't want people to listen to it almost. Yes. Yeah, so you I, think I, it's, a, so it's up to the challenge. Yeah. I, and I would hope aim high, you know, so you know, I'm, glad, I'm glad he's trying stuff like that. I mean, even with, you know, tons of like, uh, you know, Katy Perry or Taylor Swift would now, you know, identify as feminist and try to, or Beyonce and, you know, try to put some of that I don't know, critical perspective in, in their songs. So, I mean, it, in a way it's a kind of a challenge for the more underground, you know, make it a little more, conceptual or theory heavy than we see in those other performers that, you know, still embody femininity in a more traditional way and still have songs that are, you know, much more about romantic relationships. I think that's also something that's pretty interesting about Shilpa Ray is to have a, 
pop music, especially sung by a woman that is so little about relationships. I mean, um, mm-hmm. her, you know, her latest song is, but then in that really kind of odd way, but even, you know, some older female artists like uh, Lucinda Williams is, is maybe my favorite female pop artist in any genre who's active in the, in the eighties and nineties. And, you know, still most of her songs um, are, are still about sneaking a relationship, lack of relationship, that kind of thing. So just to get into that realm of ordinary life, you know, quite apart from relationships, you know, it's something that, you know, decades ago was kind of the territory of, you know, Leonard Cohen or Bob Dylan or Nick Cave. But uh, right. female artists are sometimes more more pigeonholed to the relationshipy songs. So it's neat to see her, you know, get a, you know, get away from that so consistently too. Yeah, you know, like women aren't allowed to have deep intellectual exercises in music or something. But I can see that, but also I think that she's giving herself a a, a low ceiling that where she's uh, you know if she wants to not have to be the door girl anymore that she's going to if she's going to branch out and appeal to other people she's I mean she's featured on NPR for all places and you know I think that that crowd appreciates that kind of thing but what is what is the breakout pop single on this album that's going to uh, that's going to get the million views and give her name recognition I, I, I that I guess would be my critique of the album is that I loved the whole album and I, I, I'm just wondering what could be played on the radio that would be the least bit commercial if there, yeah, if there has to be a sellout song. In, in this album, I think at, at value add time could, um, could make it on the, on the college radio. radio. College yeah. radio, yes. <laughs> commercial radio, no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe a New York commercial radio is a little bit more hip to the jive, but uh, or a little more open to you know I nothing thought, else. You know, Morning Terrors was was also pretty pretty listenable. Uh, the last okay. one, My World Shatters by the BQE. Although, I mean, you know, really specific uh, references, you know, to, to places in in some of these. But yeah, there's almost an odd thing with her where her. <laughs> You know, musically, they're so mature where she's so in, in command of her voice and um, yes. knows so many different musical genres. But then lyrically, it do, they do feel kind of like young people's music by default, you know, <laughs> that, I see that, you know, kind of the angsty, underemployed, you know, 20 to 25 year olds. So that's where I kind of I find it interesting that the most successful artist that she's kind of linked up with and um, opened for, and then she actually was their backup singer. And then they've recorded a couple songs together. The songs they've recorded together actually aren't particularly good, which is interesting um, uh, is Nick cave. And I mean, Nick cave kind of charted a career where his, he was in a punk group before, you know, being the clear front man of Nick cave and the bad seeds. And, you know, the birthday right. party's music is really anarchic and wild yeah. and angry. Yeah. So I think in a way, the corner she has to turn is crafting a persona and some lyrics that aren't quite as um, alienated. You know, uh, so, yeah. So, so, you know, does she move to a phase in her life where, where her sense of the world is a bit more um, moderate, you know, for lack of a better word. And then I, 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 I wonder if, and, and, and Nick Cave has certainly done that, you know, so he's kind of moved from the angsty young 20 something year old to the, you know, 
responsible family man who's more a little bit more of a cerebral witness to things rather than a, you know self-destructive maniac so, so so in a way it could be saying that new york city itself allows or perhaps perpetuates an extension of youthful angst that maybe is inescapable until one is more comfortable in the world so yeah i mean i think that's it, it's almost not the music so much as the whole persona and then the persona in the lyrics also could could possibly so, open up a new audience for her i think yeah as far as as far as crafting a persona, they also mentioned that for last year's Savage, the 2015 album, that she was uh, the persona she was crafting was as a, a deranged rock star in an ape mask picking fights with Ziggy Stardust. So yeah, I yeah. could see that could be, that could be moderated some, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. So as a fan, you know, I appreciate really going for it with the lyrics, and you know, I mean, that image you just described is hilarious. I mean, I love that, but. <laughs> But I mean, she could get a wider audience, perhaps with a more moderate um, persona. But yeah, it's interesting. There's more of a gap with uh, Shilpa Ray between, you know, you just plug her into Google and then like the third hit is an NPR review. Um, so she is getting press. Sure. So that, that, that goes to that goes to another question. What is, and this is more of a broader topic. What is the role of music criticism, especially written music criticism today? Is, it, is there any use for it anymore? Because like you said, she's gotten NPR and other fairly reputable music sources and they, they pretty uniformly say she's great and it doesn't seem to have mattered at all. Well, you, I mean, you know, she's come across our, our radar in, in one way or another. And, you know, we find that the reviews help clarify our listening to her. So yeah, I think, you know, today there's certainly a function to criticism, you know, partly because, you know, we have, uh, I wouldn't say everything, of course, but we have so much at our uh, fingertips or even our uh, voice command now to just summon from the ether. So, I mean, you know, it's not, I remember growing up where my dad had, you know, 200 records that I could choose between, you know, now we have the 2 million records we can choose between. So, so there has to be a function to uh, criticism in such a context. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I wonder if even someone like um, Anthony Fantano might have a broader audience now than like, uh, you know, the most prominent rock critic writing for Rolling Stone in the sixties or seventies. I would speculate he probably does. I would, I would expect so. Yeah. yeah. And so do you think, do you think it's more about finding, do you think we can still make best, best of lists or do you think it's more about finding a guru that, that, that really speaks your language and, you know, likes the same things you do that can clue you in? Yeah. Do both. Do both. Why do I have to pick? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I think, I think they're still, there's still an authoritative, there's still an authoritative, if not authoritarian air to so much music criticism that, you know, we have heard what is the best and this is it. Yeah, uh, you know, I think some of that you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because they they want to get their proverbial uh, clicks, uh, you know, so they're not going to sit there and be super mellow by the fireplace like their opening mass, you know, masterpiece theater. I, I wonder for, for podcasts, maybe people could have a more, you know, mellow personality and still get through but for the kind of youtube person with the jump cuts i got mm -hmm. kind of irritating how fantano chooses a new geeky name for himself like every week or whatever um so i mean they're just going to be kind of gimmicky yeah to keep them gimmicky keep things them. with you know you know having strong opinions and bold personas but gotta um, keep them clicking with the bells and the whistles uh yeah but my you know my 14 year old daughter likes uh 
Fantano. And then she, she said, you know, I, I like listening to his reviews because even if I totally disagree with him, I still learn things about the album that I didn't notice, you know, and, and in a way that's the test of whether criticism has a, has a function. Like, is it still instructive and insightful? And if it is, you can, you know, throw out the 90% you didn't like, and just focus on, you know, like, Oh, his evaluation of that track, you know, he drew out some instrumentation I didn't notice or. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you, do you have, do you have your guru then? We, we, we know who the authoritative sources are, but do you have a go-to critic that you, uh, that you find you usually agree with or and who, who would probably like Shilpa Ray? Yeah. So, you know, I'm bringing up someone who uh, has not had Shilpa Ray on his show, but one of my favorite places to get music uh, recommendations is NPR's Tiny Desk, where I find just that format. First of all, those are recorded uh, really nicely. And then the artist is just given 10 minutes to play. Normally it's three songs, but it can sometimes be before if they're on the short side and that's just you know i mean if if your album doesn't have three good songs (laughs) you know yes and and he he picks some pretty unusual groups so like diane coffee i discovered there kate kate laban um who's kind of i was forwarding as uh, a better johansing um i discovered there aldous harding i discovered there so yeah i get i get a lot of recommendations from um Bob Boylan. Um, but to be honest, and I think he, you know, he has other reviews on NPR. I actually don't really listen to his criticism. I, I almost, you know, I respect him kind of as a, as a curator, you know, so the people he invites uh, to have on his show are often really, really good. I see. I see. Well, it's, yeah, I, I, I can see that uh, with other mediums, whether it be YouTube or podcasts or NPR, that I think the written word for about music, at least, is is uh, has seen its heyday come and go, and maybe uh, the future does not lie with it. So yeah, although interestingly, I, I think this was this was wasn't on NPR; it was somewhere else. But I was listening to an interview with um, Shilpa Ray, where the the host brought up "Meet Me in the Bathroom" by I think the author is uh, Lizzie Goldman. That's about the kind of resurge in indie rock in New York post 9/11. So with you know the hmm. stroke. LCD sound system, and then both Shilpa Ray and the host were, you know, quite familiar with this. Uh, I think it's a three, four hundred page book, you know, kind of oral history of, you know, oh, cool. New York underground rock scene. So there's still, you know, a place place for it here and there. Well, it's, I think it's a. Uh, I it, if your if your daughter reads that book, I'll be impressed. Okay. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure I want her uh, reading that book just yet. <laughs> Maybe the letter age a bit first. Yeah, but, you know. right. You'd be a good parent now, and uh, I can under I can understand what you're saying. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the album before I I, I talk about uh, her singing? You know, while we're still kind of on the content, I find it it interesting just as a subject where it's about someone who's just so ambivalent about place. You know, is kind of really mm-hmm. rooted in a particular location for whatever reason, and um, has some things she really likes about it and then you know some things she really doesn't as well so i mean i think of that that exploration of of place it's definitely not it's not definitely not a despair like i can't get out of here i'm stuck and i can't get away it's definitely not that negative yeah um so this interview someone also asked about new york city as a character and she said uh it's the man of your dreams that sleeps with everyone else and makes you feel special, but only sometimes. So you just keep begging and going back to it. So I think that's the kind of uh, nihilism or despair that can't 
maybe can't be there quite as prominently if she's going to be more um more successful later on we'll see but yeah i mean i think you know as specific as you know you have to rock away blues the add value add time my heart breaks on the bqe where you know who do you know do you how many listeners know that's the brooklyn queens expressway um mm-hmm. I, even with the specificity i mean i think that that just that exploration of being ambivalent about place is pretty interesting and um certainly uh, relatable yeah to a lot of viewers even even if brooklyn and you know new york isn't the place that you're ambivalent about so i know that one thing i'll ask before you get into the vocals is you lived in new york for a year and a half or so so what were the you talked about add value add time but were there other references that impressed you I mean, I lived under an overpass uh, in the, the uh, there were streetside, uh, uh, the small roadside churches with the congregations of, you know, double digits. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, and right next to those, there were the, the, uh, the porno video stores, like literally alternating places with them. So I mean, it's a, it's a greedy, greedy kind of place and, and where I was in Brooklyn. And I think that, uh, so yeah, so like freeways going above your, above your house and, uh, strange people you meet on the street and then on the subways and uh, going to shows and trying to, uh, trying to understand what it all means. And, uh, scene if there if there is one and gentrification i think is a a big part of a part of what's happening now in terms of reducing the number of venues where you can actually go to see all these kinds of things yeah it's it's where everything's happening it's where it's where you want to be if you want to know what's uh, what's going on and uh, I, I do want to go back someday <laughs> yes yeah, so i mean it's interesting if that there's that long um, oral history of, of really how successful the kind of underground rock scene was underground then turned mainstream you know post uh, 9-11 so it'll be interesting to see what what happens kind of post uh covid yeah i mean that could be an even an even harder one i mean we're we're you know 9-11 is something that you know even within you know new york that kind of killed the original um chinatown to a certain extent but i mean it's the you know the regional impact was kind of more limited even in even in new york than with this other thing so you know when when manhattan when manhattan got damaged or you know too too rich there were so many other boroughs to go to but like yeah like you say that the pandemic is affecting everybody everywhere so will it grow back is a good question and i certainly hope it will so to cut to the chase in terms of shilpa ray's voice itself in terms of being a pop musician Whereas pop has gone in terms of auto tune, it shows that the triumph of the triumph of in tune fascism is uh, is marginalizing unique voices like like Shilpa Ray and uh, Spin Magazine said that David Bowie couldn't sing and my my ex can't listen to David Byrne because David Byrne can't sing. What what are your thoughts on singing in tune as a necessity for being a a, a musician, especially a popular one? Well, I mean, I think you know someone could probably put together. Uh, you know, a list of 10 tracks that use the auto-tune that I would maybe still be impressed with musically, but I, I certainly wouldn't want it to be the, the default. Yeah, so to have someone like Shilpa Ray who has so much character and texture to her voice where you're still hearing a throat and a larynx and her, uh, her, her, her years... Something's, of, her years something's of, vibrating in there. I think yeah. she's a bit of a longtime smoker, so... Oh yeah, it's Tom Waits. Yeah, so she reminds me almost of you know someone like Tom Waits, um, though she doesn't destroy her songs as playfully as Tom Waits does. <laughs> you know, okay. yeah. What did what did you 
what did you make of of her voice? Well, I think it, I think it really grows on you. It's 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 unique. It's got uh, heart to it. It's definitely you know in terms of the the songwriting and the uh, the storytelling. I think is all I've got a little Leonard Cohen going on. I think too, and uh, the 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 reputation that no one ever listens to Leonard Cohen fits the obscurity of uh, of her herself. Comparing her to I think other women who yell when they sing and they sound hoarse. I think what has always really confused me is, is Janis Joplin is, has such this uh, amazing, untouchable reputation, and I can't stand her singing. And I think that, you know, when Shilpa Ray yells, I think she, I don't know if it's just that she's sincere and or she's, uh, as you said, she's got such control over it. I don't know how she possibly sings another song after what you said was the, the, the pop song. Uh, that opens the album, uh, Morning Terrors and Nights of Dread, that, that uh, where she ends just belting it out, almost uh, top of her lungs. But she's just sitting there playing her keyboard the whole time, too, and you know, <laughs> not losing her composure. It's it's really impressive. Yeah, I think it so. could, could partly have to do with range as well, where I almost see, um, you know, Janis Joplin is a little bit more like uh, Axl Rose when, you know, when they choose to open up you know, their range is actually not that big. Um, so yeah, I'm actually, I'm with you on um, not being bowled over by Janis Joplin's vocals, but I don't know. One of the other things I wanted to talk about is you told me you had a chance to watch some of her live videos online. And there's a cover there that's really impressive where um, there's a series of videos shot in an arcade. And then she covers yes. the uh, the Etta James song, I'd rather go blind just with her and the harmonium. Yes, yes. Which is such an ambitious choice, but she really nails it. Yeah. It shows she's got some good taste and she knows her history, I think. And uh, definitely an unusual choice for a cover song. Although I also heard her cover Prince, which uh, everybody covers Prince, right? So notably missing from your... From your best from your best of list, I'd say. Sure. But, uh, yeah. Talk about that another day. <laughs> no, I think if uh, yeah, if, if you can cover all those different styles, and in addition to be your own unique, uh, unique and very distinctive voice, I think that that speaks well to her uh, her longevity in the in the uh, industry such as it is in uh, just in New York, I guess. But uh, I'm still waiting for that you know the breakout single. Yes, yeah, so um, looking at at older artists, people like Big Mama Thornton or Sister Rosetta Tharp, uh, where I think are clear back from the the 50s, and you know, uh, re- really sung out. But you know, not not like an uh, Aretha Franklin, where their their voice is really pure. You know, you can still hear the the throatiness in their in their voice. So yeah, check out Sister Rosetta Tharp or. Uh, Big Mama Thornton. I mean, to follow on because you'll you'll sometimes see Ray's vocal style described as a as a quote unquote blues howl, howler. Um, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, definitely a howl. Get it get into some of those earlier examples. Yeah. Another another blind spot to uh, to shed some light on. So I appreciate that. Just another deep deep dive in online materials where there was that dust up of the celebrity chef i think clear back in 2013 or some kind of racist comments she meant came to light and then she she dean is a southerner so she had to kind of toss that off as uh i is what i is um about that trying to move away from that. And then Shilpa Ray just kind of like, you know, noticed that story. And then I think wrote a song about it within a week or two. I don't think it appears on any of her 
albums, but it's a really incredible um, like a solo album. solo piano solo piano yeah. rendition. Yeah, yeah. So that you can just find that by searching uh, Shilpa Ray. I is what I is. So yeah, even when she just tosses off a song in a in a week, doesn't put it on any album, she can do some pretty impressive work. So yeah, hope. <laughs> Hope more people listen to what she has already released and that uh, she finds greater future success if that was she, if that's what she's after. Yeah. I recommend uh, everybody go check her out on Bandcamp. She's got a good following and, and quite a quite an extensive catalog, a lot of variety, not just on this album, but uh, her whole discography. Every every album is uh, it's got its own character. Great. So what's your what's your rating of this one if you have to give it a number? So- I say this uh, This gave me the, the memories, the feel, the variety, the pressure, and the ugliness of New York City. And it definitely is a risk-taking, I hear, experimentation while also touching all the bases of uh, conventional songwriting that'll, you know, really, uh, as you say, keep your attention. And so I thought I, I, th- I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. I think I would, I would go even um, a little higher. I think I would give it a nine out of 10, say of right. albums released in the last five years. Um, this is one I've, I've returned to pretty frequently. There are only a couple tracks that I tend to skip, in- including uh, Revelations of a Stamp Monkey, which was one of your favorites. So that's that an interesting uh, difference of opinion there. So that's, um, yes. so I'd, I'd go with nine out of 10. Wow. That's an honorable mention on your, on your all time yearly list there too. So that's, that, that gives me some perspective of what an honorable mention means. And uh, what, what keeps it, uh, in, in closing, what keeps that uh, being an honorable mention rather than a, a yearly best? Was the year the 2017 year just so great, or was there something that's missing, like the listening to all the way through without skipping anything? What, keep, what keeps it from for perfection or being the all-time best for the year? Yeah, so what DJ Puzur is alluding to there is we both kind of took this challenge of trying to pick a favorite record for every year we've we've been alive. Uh, so there are some hard hard choices there. I'm I'm looking at the list and I put Aldous Harding's The Party as the album of the year that year and she's been mentioned a few times in this episode. Yeah, so and then it's interesting she's um also skips from genre to genre has a really kind of strange persona but on that list even though i'm i'm covering and i, I went and went back to uh 1975 which is more than i've been alive but in you know 45 years i think i had maybe 10 honorable mentions so it had to mean it was very 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 close to being very the uh, choice for almost a toss up yeah almost exactly so yeah that's a compliment to aldous harding more than a d- diminishment of uh shilpa ray so got it got it well I, I hope we can talk about uh, i hope we can talk about that list in in full detail in the future and uh, for now though i think we should uh, uh, we should hope that we've given these two very deserving female artists a little bit more spotlight and uh, that they can be heard by more people beyond their their rabid but small fan base otherwise i think we can call it yeah amen i think we're good thanks all for listening tune in next time to out of obscurity thanks dj keep rooming Absolutely. Have a good day.